I'm your host, Stephanie Capilupo, and this is Rust Belt Babes. Welcome to episode four of Rust Belt Babes. This episode is going to be less of an interview and more of a story. I've always been a fan of history and the Victorian era, but for the life of me, I cannot remember dates or even important things that have happened. But what I do love is a good story. Coupled with the fact that women are grossly underrepresented in our history books, I decided to start a historical babe series where I research a woman who we should all know, but probably don't. To start us off, I present to you Louise Blanchard Bethune, the first female architect in the nation. Louise was born on July 21, 1856 in Waterloo, New York, which is located in the Finger Lakes region, just one town over from Seneca Falls, which pop quiz, can anybody tell me what Seneca Falls is famous for? That's right, it is the birthplace of the women's rights movement. In 1848, only a few years before Louise was born, the very first women's rights convention was held in Seneca Falls. So she was born during a very powerful and pivotal time for women in history. She is recorded as being a delicate child, so she was homeschooled until the family moved to Buffalo when she was 11. She attended and graduated from Old Central in 1874, which at the time was Buffalo's only high school, and located downtown in Niagara Square. Old Central closed in 1914, but fun fact, it was converted into an influenza hospital during the 1918 Spanish flu pandemic, and then later demolished. After she graduated, it is said that she traveled, studied, and taught while preparing herself to apply for the newly opened architecture school at Cornell. But how did she even become interested in architecture? Well, according to what I could find, there is a quote that says, A caustic remark had previously turned her attention in the direction of architecture, and an investigation, which was begun in the spirit of playful self-defense, soon became an absorbing interest. Even though the remark has been lost to history, I think we all know exactly what was said to her. And it was something along the lines of, girls can't do that, or that's no profession for a woman, or you wouldn't understand, or you're not smart enough. So regardless of what was actually said to her, she really had the last laugh. So in 1876, at the age of 20, she was offered a job as a draftsman in the office of Richard A. Waite and F.W. Calkins, who were two prominent architects in Buffalo. And if you're like me, and you are not exactly sure what a draftsman is, they are actually the ones that draw up or draft the actual drawings based on the specifications given to them by the architect. So she took that position, and she ended up not attending Cornell, which really makes me wonder what she was doing for those two years. The only explanation that I could find was traveling, studying, and teaching, which is pretty broad. But you aren't just offered an apprenticeship like that without having made some kind of name for yourself, especially as a woman at that time. So while working for Waite and Calkins, she became well-versed in Romanesque design, which is characterized by the use of round arches and barrel vaults, heavy articulated masonry with narrow openings, central square round or polygonal towers, and the use of foliage and animal forms as ornamentations. So if you're familiar with architects or architectural design from around the Buffalo area, it probably sounds familiar because she was also working during the same time as Henry Richardson. And he is well known for Richardson Romanesque. So she was working and learning during the same time that Henry Richardson was working in the city. And actually during the same time that the Richardson complex, which is currently Hotel Henry, 
was being built. So there were some really big names and a lot of projects going on in the city. And I would give my left foot to travel back in time and be here while all that was happening. Okay, so in 1881, after working as an apprentice for five years, she opened her own firm with her new husband, Robert Bethune. Turns out Robert was also a draftsman for Waite and Calkins, which leads me to believe that there was some heavy flirting going on over those drafting tables. <laughs> so by opening her own firm, she officially became the first female architect in the nation. Fast forward a few years, in 1885, she was elected as a member of the Western Association of Architects, where she served as the vice president, and then in 1888, she was the first female associate of the American Institute of Architects, becoming a fellow in 1889. And while there, she lobbied to make architecture a licensed profession, just like a doctor or a lawyer, which I think is pretty cool because I think that we all just take for granted that these things are licensed or that you need to have certain specifications. But if you go back, there are people that had to lobby for these things and knowing that it happened in Buffalo and that a woman was a part of it is really cool. So her firm, Bethune and Bethune, which I would like to know who decided that architects and lawyers have to name their offices just their last names. Like, is that, a th is that just like an ego thing? I don't know. If you know, let me know. Uh, but they specialized in schools, commercial buildings, and industrial buildings. She wasn't a fan of residential projects because they did not pay well, and she did not want women to be pigeonholed into one type of design or to be associated with only being able to design houses. She was actually quoted as saying, women who are pioneers in any profession should be proficient in every department, and that now, at least, women architects must be practical superintendents as well as designers and scientific constructors. So like I said, she wanted to be well-rounded, and she did not want to be known just for one type of design. By all accounts, the firm was very successful, even bringing on another partner in 1891, William R. Fuchs, changing the firm name to Bethune, Bethune, and Fuchs. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know why that's so funny to me. Unfortunately, a lot, if not all, of their original buildings have been demolished. But of the ones still standing, the most notable is Hotel Lafayette, which really surprised me because I had no idea she was the architect. So Hotel Lafayette is located downtown Buffalo and is arguably one of our most beautiful buildings. So it was commissioned for a million dollars and completed in 1904. It was originally supposed to be finished for the 1901 Pan American Expo in Buffalo, but unfortunately some financial delays delayed the opening until 1904. But it was so popular that soon after opening, an addition was planned, which doubled its size. It was a seven-story, 400-room hotel that offered hot and cold running water in every bathroom, telephones in all rooms, and elevators. In its prime, it was hailed as one of the 15 finest hotels in the United States and quoted as being the best that science, art, and experience can offer for the comfort of the traveling public. And I think that it's really cool that at the turn of the century, a woman was hired to complete such a huge job. So like I said, the building is still there, but in the 1940s, the lobby did undergo some renovations and some Art Deco decorations were added. But in 2012, the whole building was renovated and restored, all to the tune of $35 million. It is still partially a hotel, but there are also apartments there, which I did not know and is super cool. So when we are allowed to travel again, I highly suggest staying at the Hotel Lafayette. The only other buildings that I was able to find that are still standing are 149 Swan Street, which is also downtown. It's currently apartments and storefronts. It used to be a distillery, but I'm not sure what's there anymore. 
The next building is 639 Exchange Street, which is down in the Larkin area. And it was the Iroquois Door Plant Company Warehouse. <laughs> Say that five times fast, which it looks like it still is a warehouse. And the final building that I could find was the building at the corner of Bryant and Ashland, which is currently Trattoria Aroma, a super cute little Italian restaurant. But it used to be a corner grocery store. And I used to live two blocks away. And I swear I have walked past that building hundreds of times on my way to go get coffee. So unfortunately, like I mentioned, most of their buildings were demolished, but I did think that there were a few worth mentioning. So one of the buildings was a music store that was downtown, and it was one of the first buildings in the U.S. to use a steel frame and poured concrete slabs. And I believe that it used to be at the site of which is now the Central Library. The next building was up on Chandler Street, and it was a warehouse for the Buffalo Weaving Company, which according to Google Maps is no longer there, which is an absolute shame because the Chandler Street area has seen tons of renovations and restorations recently. And it would have been super cool to have one of her buildings to be a part of it. The other building, or I should say structure, I guess, were two grandstands for Queen City Baseball and Amusement Company, which according to the internet was at the corner of Michigan and West Ferry, which is currently the site of the Freedom Wall. So definitely go over and check that out too. But just keep in mind that it used to be a big grandstand. And finally, the 74th Armory, which was at the corner of Virginia and Elmwood. So the armory was built, but then very soon after, they built an even bigger armory, which we know as the Connecticut Street Armory. So they turned the 74th Armory into the Elmwood Music Hall, which held a ton of performances before it closed its doors and was demolished in 1938. But I think that's super cool that they were having concerts in an old armory. So Louise eventually retired in 1908 at the age of 52, which if you remember, I said that she was hired at 20. So she worked for 32 years as an architect. She passed away in 1915 and is buried at Forest Lawn right here in Buffalo. So it might be a fun little outing to go check out some of the buildings that she built and go check out the Freedom Wall and then take a stop off at Forest Lawn and go visit her gravesite. That'd be kind of neat. Nice little Saturday weekend outing. Louise played a huge role in shaping, quite literally shaping Buffalo. And I mentioned at the beginning that she was born during a pivotal time for women. And I couldn't find anything that said that she was directly involved with the women's suffragette movement. But there were some details here and there that led me to believe that she was a bit more sly and a bit more involved than maybe history has recorded. So in 1893, she declined an invitation to compete at the Chicago World's Fair architecture competition because the women's prize was $1,000 and the men's prize was $10,000. She believed that women's complete emancipation lay in equal pay for equal service. I would say that qualifies her as a feminist. She was also recorded as being the first woman to buy a bike in Buffalo, and she was a founding member of the Women's Wheel and Athletic Club, which was a club founded for women to enjoy the joys of riding a bike without the public prejudice, air quotes on public prejudice. And I found some super neat newspaper clippings that I'm going to include in my Instagram post about this episode, so definitely check those out. But also keep in mind that she passed away in 1915 and women weren't able to vote until 1920. So she lived her entire life without the ability to vote. And I would like to believe that direct involvement or not, 
she had a hand in helping to push women forward in history. Just by not accepting less than what she knew she was worth and what women were worth in general, she truly was a remarkable woman that regrettably history has partially looked over. There is a building in Buffalo that was dedicated to her, but I don't believe she designed it, and it's called the Bethune Lofts up on Main Street. But I did find that there are plans for a monument for her and two other women in Buffalo, although the location and the dates are still to be announced. And I have not been down to the hotel off yet in a while, so I can't be totally sure, but I hope that they have something about her somewhere, like a plaque or little note cards on tables or some poster or something so that people know that the building was designed by a woman because I think that that is absolutely amazing. And that, my friends, is Louise Blanchard Bethune. Thank you so much for tuning in. Even though this wasn't an interview, I hope that you enjoyed it. If you're interested in learning more about her, I will post all of my sources and photos on Instagram. So be sure to head over there and check those out. You can find me at Rust Belt Babes. And if you have any suggestions for women in the Rust Belt that I should feature, send me an email at rustbeltbabes at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. Signing off with love and light. Later, babes.